We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep podcast. My name is Kane Tippin and I am joined by Ty Windish just minutes after the NBA Awards Night has ended. It was a long wait for the NBA Awards Night. It was a very long NBA Awards Night tonight, but uh, a really, really good night for the Bucks. They take home a whole bunch of uh, awards. But Ty, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Why is every NBA thing going super long lately? First the draft. Now this, it's like, this was a concise league. I mean, it's it's the games don't take that long, and all of a sudden we're dragging things out. I'm, I'm a little perturbed about that, but honestly pretty hard to complain about tonight considering the uh, results for those invested in the Milwaukee Bucks. No, I'm a big fan of Shaq, first of all, so I want to say that straight off the bat. Really, really big fan of Shaq and the TNT crew in general, but... There was some strange filler tonight, and I don't really understand why Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are up there uh, giving long speeches when we're already running overtime, waiting to find out who wins the MVP. But getting to the awards, as I said, a really, really good night for the Bucks. Giannis wins the MVP, as we probably all figured uh, he was going to do and expected he was going to do at this point. We saw some of the early voting come out. He takes out... Uh, the MVP, Mike Budenholzer wins Coach of the Year. John Horst wins Executive of the Year, which, by the way, he didn't get to have a speech, I guess, because he was the one that uh, they decided to cut out of the broadcast. We just come back from a commercial, and he's got the trophy sitting on the table with a big smile on his face. But uh, really, the Bucks they, they won most of the awards that they were supposed to be. Uh, Giannis finishes second in Defensive Player of the Year. So we'll, we'll run all through these, but uh, I think, first of all, we have to start with Giannis, right? Yeah, I think uh, always a good place to start and, and end, which is, I guess, what we're doing here. Um, I think very deserving. The Rockets, I don't know if you saw this yet or not, the Rockets' Twitter account already is protesting the result, which seems weird and kind of inappropriate for an official team account to do, but whatever. I mean, this is a team that sends memos over missed free throws and conference finals games, so what What do you really expect? But And see, I can say that because I'm not – like, I don't work for the Bucks. I just talk about the Bucks, So it's kind of a different thing. But anyway, um, enough about the Rockets. Uh, Giannis, you know, leads the best team in the NBA in the regular season. All around, offense plus defense. It's pretty hard to argue anyone was nearly as impactful for the entirety of the season. I just think this was a, a slam dunk, which is fitting because a lot of Giannis's shots are slam dunks. And I think the voting reflected that. I think, what did he have, like 70... 77 or so first-place votes. I know he and Harden got all the first and second-place votes, which, thank goodness, there were some really sloppy, I think, voting results at, at some of these races from what I saw people tweeting and and the, the totals that were shared. I'm glad that no one put anyone besides those two in the top two. I think Paul George is close for a little while. He fades out late. Uh, I didn't think anyone else really was 
more deserving, more valuable than either of those two players, Giannis and uh, and Harden. So all in all, a good result, fitting. Uh, I'm not going to be mad. Harden got some votes. I think we agreed most of the season. He had an absolutely terrific campaign, one of a kind, remarkable offensive season. But, you know, I think the voters have made it clear, maybe a little bit of a snapback from the the Russell Westbrook MVP that was all about numbers, even though everyone knew his team wasn't as good. This is sort of a return to honoring the team. I think that's a good and valuable thing for MVP. Yeah, just looking through the voting, and you you sort of touched on that uh, just there. So you were right. Well, 78 first-place votes Giannis had. So the way they score this is 10 points uh, for a first-place vote, seven, seven points for a second, five for a third, three for a fourth, and one for a fifth. Giannis finished with 78 out of 100. Uh, votes for first place, which is essentially going to win you with the award if you if you get that amount of first place votes. He has 23 uh, second place votes, and you you switch those around for Harden. So as as you said, uh, Giannis and Harden uh, have all the first and second place votes. Uh, Paul George was the overwhelming uh, third place to get us. So Giannis finishes with 941 points, 776 for Harden, and 356 for Paul George. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Stephen Curry, Dame Lillard, jo- Joel Embiid. Round out the numbers. There's a couple of funny ones at the bottom, and you know it's kind of weird to say it's a funny one for LeBron, but LeBron gets one fifth place vote, and so does Rudy Gobert, which is interesting. I'm not sure who gave him. Oh, uh, we'll find out tomorrow morning when they release the results. Right, exactly. So I have a guess. I have a guess, but we can go on. <laughs> but in, in the end, a uh, you know, as you said, a much deserved. MVP for Giannis, he finishes the regular season uh, with 27.7 points per game, 12.5 rebounds, 5.9 assists, 1.5 blocks, and 1.3 steals. Second MVP in franchise history, and uh, the first since Kareem in 1974, who, as we found out, does not know how to say Giannis's name. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, three-time MVP winner in Milwaukee, and now, you have to say, Giannis has that in his sights wins the MVP at 24 years twenty four years of age. And really, like you said, this wasn't just about the numbers. We know that what, what James Harden has done, and we've seen uh, what the Rockets have tweeted out after, about the numbers of 40-point games, 50-point games, 60-point games. But at the end of the day, Giannis got the job done on both ends of the floor. First team, all defense. As we said earlier, he finishes second uh, defensive player of the year. And really, uh, this is... Uh, an award that should reward uh, dominance on both sides of the court. And no one in the NBA came close to dominating uh, both ends of the floor like Giannis did this year. No. And then, you know, this is kind of a, it's sort of almost a a sideshow spectacle is what it's become at this point. But, you know, I think it matters that right now there's smoke in Houston about Chris Paul and James Harden not getting along and, problems on the team and guys not feeling in, in incredibly engaged all the time with, you know, watching Harden dribble a lot and, and isolate a lot to get all those terrific numbers. I mean, the Bucks were the opposite of, of that entire sort of that idea of discord and disharmony in the locker room. I mean, all season long, Milwaukee on the same page. And I think we, you know, I know we've talked about this before on, on the Euro step, but that always with an NBA team is going to, Start, start and end, end with, with a, a the the franchise player, and that obviously in this case is Giannis, and I think that matters too. It's it's most valuable. It's not best offense. It's not best numbers. It's not even best player. It's most valuable, and I think hard to argue that wasn't Giannis. Yeah, no question, and and obviously this meant a lot to Giannis. He, he's never been a guy. If you speak to him during the season, and when we did get the chance to speak to him during the season. He would always deflect away from it a little bit. There was no question that this was something that he really, really wanted. But uh, during the season, when you talked to him, as I said, he would always make it about the team and winning, and that was all he really cared about. But I think we saw tonight uh, when Giannis got caught up on stage that I guess the emotion of winning this award and where he's come from and uh, obviously the passing of his father was probably the the really uh, you know emotional part of this speech that we saw tonight. Uh, this guy's, I'm not sure whether there's a bigger family guy in the NBA than Giannis. He does everything with his brothers, does everything with his mother and his girlfriend. And 
it was a pretty it was a great speech i i don't really know how else to describe that when he uh did go through that period where he thanked his dad and said that he still does everything for him and he is the one that motivates him to be as good as he can be and to show up and do the right thing, as he said. Uh, this was certainly something that meant more than just basketball to Giannis. And, I, you know, it, the way that he thanked the Bucks franchise and thanked the owners, thanked the players and the coaches, uh, I think that... The way that he's that the Milwaukee has responded to him since he's come to the city, and the way they've made him uh, feel welcome, and 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 how Giannis has embraced that, I think we saw tonight what this really meant to him, and it was a it was a pretty special speech. It was one of the the more memorable ones I can certainly remember. Yeah, almost a little reminiscent of the classic, you know, KD, you the real MVP moment, just because. You know, that same sort of very genuine, heartfelt feeling. And, you know, you don't really need a cap put on a moment like, like you, you know, your young franchise player winning MVP. It's, it's going to be a great moment regardless. But just to have it be so poignant, I think so powerful for so many people. You know, the clips are everywhere on social media right now and for very good reason. Uh, I think it's very cool and, and I couldn't agree more. Just uh, a terrific moment for Giannis and for everyone watching. And that wasn't really the only emotional moment tonight. Uh, Coach Bud did take out the Coach of the Year award. And this one was, a you know, I, I thought out of the awards that we were going to see tonight, I wasn't sure whether Bud would win this. Um, I, I did think that there was a strong case for, for both. Uh, obviously, Doc Rivers... Um, who just actually looked like he was a little bit shocked that, that he didn't win uh, the award, but Michael Malone as well. Um, you know, there were so many teams this year that I think made big jumps and came from uh, uh, under the radar. Certainly the Clippers, a, a team that with no real star, then they trade away Tobias Harris, the way that they were able to fight through to the playoffs. Incredible job by Doc Rivers and that team. Obviously, we saw Lou Williams won sixth man of the year tonight. Uh, and for Michael Malone as well. Yeah, Nikola Jokic, obviously an all-star player um, and, and, you know, a real star of the game. But, again, a lot of uh, lesser names that got the job done in the West and, and really held that number one seed for, for uh, the majority of the season. So I thought this one was going to be a tight run thing. Bud does get it. And I think in the end, it's interesting because, you know, when you when you really think about it, you say, oh, well, Nick Nurse just won the championship in his first NBA season. But I think this, obviously, when you think to when the voting is done at the end of the regular season, I don't think that anyone expected the Raptors to go on that run. And and, and it was based on what Bud was able to do. Obviously, the Bucks have their first 60-win season since 1980-1981. First year with Milwaukee. Uh, Bud's a two-time coach of the year, and there's not too many guys that have done that. No, there's not. And I think one of the very, not may I won't say very interesting, but just sort of interesting threads is it actually hasn't really worked out for first-year coaches who win a title with their teams to win uh, coach of the year. Obviously, uh, the Bucks own Mike Budenholzer wins in 14-15 in the year. Steve Kerr takes over the Warriors and takes them to the title. And like you said, voters at the time don't know who's won the title, which annoying in some aspects, but it kind of does make sense because I feel like so many things would be so influenced so heavily by, you know, oh, well, they won the title, so they should get this award and that award, et cetera. It, it makes sense sort of to do it the way they do, maybe not to wait so long to announce them. But the year after that, uh, Ty Lue takes over the Cavaliers, who shocked the Warriors, and none other but Steve Kerr gets the uh, the nod there. So sort of an interesting coach of the year dichotomy. Nice that Bud gets it uh, on his first year on a very, very good team, which also was Kerr when Bud stole it. It would have been, I guess, almost po poetic in an unfortunate way for the Bucks head coach if someone like Doc Rivers had won it, you know, sort of more – recognizing the achievement of doing more with less than recognizing that of making a, a, a solid team, a good framework into a juggernaut. But, you know, these things clearly change year after year. No two cases are exactly the same. And I think, like you mentioned, there were a few deserving candidates. I thought 
Bud deserved it, but uh, I wouldn't, I don't think, have been stunned completely if he didn't win. I, I did, going in, I, I was pretty sure it was going to be him, but these, some of these awards can end up being pretty funky sometimes. No, they can, but I, I think that, you know, when you look at the Bucks, so long a team that, yes, they had Giannis, and the interesting thing is that, you know, I do think that Giannis took his game to another level. Um, obviously, uh, you know, the numbers were improved again for, for the sixth season in a row. Uh, obviously, his minutes were down also, so he was able to probably get a little bit more rest than he had in the past, even though, uh, you know, Giannis, by his own admission, uh, thinks that maybe in the, in the future he does need to take even a further step back. But, uh, you know, this Bucks team, as I said, even with a, a quality player like that, Chris Milton, last year a borderline all-star player, they only win 44 games. And, yeah, they had a little bit of adversity through the season with some injuries uh, that cost them. The depth wasn't as good as it was this season, but they go from 44 wins to 60. And I think the big thing, obviously, defensively, this is a team that under Jason Kidd, uh, outside of the first year in, in 2015, 2014-15, where there was second-ranked defense, uh, they really were in the, the middle to the lower ranks defensively, despite having all this talent. Uh, Mike Budenholzer comes in and is able to simplify everything and certainly a scheme that through the year, uh, you know, many Bucks fans questioned whether that was the way that they wanted to play, uh, certainly depending the pick and roll in particular and the way that they gave up a bunch of jump shots. But this Bucks team proved through the season uh, that that this was a, uh, a scheme that worked. And they finished uh, with the number one ranked uh, defense, the number, fourth, uh, number four ranked offense. Always been a team that could put up points, but they couldn't stop them down the other end. They found a way to do that, obviously, when, when you bring in a guy like Brook Lopez, that helped but Giannis himself, Chris Milton, Eric Bledsoe, all these uh, terrific individual defenders. And I think when you're trying to analyze all these other coaches, and, you know, those teams were good. The Clippers were good. The Nuggets were good. But the Bucks were really elite and had one of the, one of the, the more dominant regular seasons that we've seen, uh, you know, with some of these other, you know, great teams in Houston, obviously, last season, the Warriors over the past few years. You look at the net rating and, and those sort of things, that they, they were really on that level. So I, I think in the end, that's probably what separated it for the voters. And uh, again, you know, when we talk about the speeches here, you know, Bud, not always a guy that doesn't show a lot of emotion. I mean, he certainly gets fired up during games, but certainly not uh, to what we saw tonight when he was, uh, you know, having uh, his speech up on the, on, on the stage after collecting the trophy. Um, certainly when he, when he started to talk about his kids and his family, um, choked up a little bit. And, you know, I think that, to me, again, is just a sign of what these guys go through during a season to, to have the success that we had this season. And it doesn't always work out, but, you know, the NBA season is long. And for a guy like Bud who comes into Milwaukee, wants to change, uh, you know, everything that the Bucks are doing on the floor, has to integrate all these new pieces, uh, you know, with a new franchise. Obviously, you have to sacrifice a lot well, with your kids. You miss out on a lot of stuff. And I think we saw tonight what that means to him, what his family means to him. And again, it was a pretty uh, emotional few seconds there, I would say. And it was, it was, it was really nice to see. I mean, I, I think the Bucks. Obviously had a had a great showing tonight at, at the awards, but I think the the human element element of it all was also really touching. Yeah, I agree. It, it reminds me really of the uh, the NBA draft, which there were a lot of really yeah. really cool moments like that. Uh, especially RJ Barrett and his father stand out to me right now. But I think one of the interesting things with with Bud's candidacy, it kind of compares and contrasts in interesting ways with John Horst, who I know we'll get to in a second. But, you know, you mentioned Brooke Lopez, and I think that's a good example of sort of why I think both of those cases can work because Horst gets credit for signing Brooke Lopez, and then you could sit there and say, well, if he made this great signing, you know, is Bud really doing that much? And I would say yes, because nobody looked at Brooke Lopez as the defensive anchor of a, a great defense before this year. No one, you know, who had been paying close attention to him, at least it's, it seemed like, I mean, it, that was pretty much the opposite of Brooke Lopez's reputation. So I think, I think I you can, can sort of do a middle ground there of, you know, the executive gets credit for bringing in the guy, but it's not just like 
anybody could have coached Brooke Lopez into what he was this season or anybody could have gotten this from this group. I think it's more complicated than that. I think it's more nuanced than that. And I think, and I thought this for a while, it's weird and kind of terrible to use one good thing about a team against a player's or an executive or coach's race for some sort of award. Like, like it's a bad thing to have talent around you. I think the most important thing in the NBA is to learn how to thrive when you have that talent around you. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of weirdness from Bucks and Rockets fans trying to almost take down their own teams and prove the other guy had more help. And it's like, ignore that. Like you should be able to play with help. That's, that's how you make a great championship team. And it's just terrible to me to kind of tear down, you know, especially a team you root for, for, try and build up some sort of a case. And, you know, another thing that's terrible really is guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. ED can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. And with Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's a lot of free. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. And then another one of our partners here, making sure that all sorts of people get taken care of, look neat and presentable. It's Harry's Razors because BlueWire wants to make sure all of our listeners to the Eurostep and all of our great podcasts are shaving company. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes, everyone knows, but I'll say it anyway, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and the travel blade cover, the essential travel blade cover. All of that for just $3. No more of these cheap razors. Harry's Fix Shaving they combine the simple, clean design with the quality and durable blades. Those are four very good adjectives. Simple, clean, quality, durable, and at a fair price. Yeah, everybody knows, everyone around the world knows about the world-class blade factory in Germany. It's been making quality blades for more than 95 years. They're not overpriced. They're not overdesigned like these other razors. They're great razors, Harry's razors. And you, dear listener, can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's and claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave and your razor, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. To get started, just go to harrys.com slash bluewire. Redeem your razor and your trial set for just $3, Kane. Just 3 bucks. A lot of free, a lot of $3, a lot of good deals going around. No, it's a great deal. Always great deals with the uh, blue eye ad reads that you uh, take care of, uh, which I very much appreciate. But uh, you did speak a little bit about just some final thoughts on on the Bud uh, Coach of the Year, and you did speak a little bit about bringing this group together and what that meant. And it was interesting. There was a quote today that I tweeted from uh, a story that I had that was on Bucks.com. It's probably still out there. I'm guessing floating around somewhere. But uh, where Danny Ainge was talking about the Celtics and and just their locker room not really getting along. And uh, I, I tweeted out a quote from Bud that said that he believes that, you know, particularly with these contending teams, that uh, everyone really talent level was on the same in the same sort of uh, caliber. I mean, these teams are really good. You look at the, the straight-up talent on the Celtics, really super talented team individually. Likewise with the Bucs, but the difference with the Bucs was they played together. They played unselfishly. 
and they enjoyed each other's success. And a few of the quotes that stick out to me when, um, you know, relating it back to Bud, uh, George Hill was telling me uh, that he's only ever been in one situation like this in his whole career, like Milwaukee, that is, uh, that was uh, with Indiana where they went, had a couple of uh, runs to the Eastern Conference Finals. And he said, uh, Coach Bud and all his staff uh, make it like this. They make their egos go away. They make guys want to be here and want, want to play together uh, because of what they do. So we owe them all the thanks for that. Uh, Brooke Lopez was uh, an, another guy uh, that uh, said it's for, this is what Bud brings to the team. He said it's huge. It makes showing up to practice games work every day that much easier in any workplace situation or whatever it is. If you don't like who you're working with, it's going to make it tough and you might think, oh, I don't want to see this guy today. It's obviously not the case here. It's a complete opposite. You get excited when you get to see your boys and coming out here and hooping with your brothers. Uh, so, And then he went on to mention some of the other things that Bud got this team doing through the years, whether it was uh, team dinners that they did all the time and Bud was uh, the instigator for those. Uh, they, they would often you know play games with a flag football, a wiffle ball. There's a bunch of days where uh, you know we would be preparing to go to practice and they'd say, no, there's no practice today. And we'd find out the next day that they played a game for the day instead of practicing. And, you know, I think that that's a big part of it wasn't just getting Bud and him saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. It was him being the players coach that he's uh, well known to be and, and bringing these personalities together and, and making sure that, yes, they were winning games and winning is fun, but it wasn't all about basketball for this team. They did things off the court and, and bonded that way. And that was really what, what built the nucleus for this team to be so successful together. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much more insight to add except to just sort of point out that it's easy to roll your eyes and sort of shrug at the idea of how important that cohesiveness is. But, you know, you mentioned the Boston Celtics. I think that's a great example of what, how badly things can go without that sort of, you know, all-for-one, one, all one-for-all kind of mentality. You know, when players start to want more for themselves and less for the team. And, I mean, Tanny Age came out and said similar things, even bolder, I thought. Uh, obviously, uh, not a not-so-subtle shot at Kyrie Irving. But just it, it's it's important and it matters. And, you know, great teams need that that bond, that cohesiveness. And I couldn't agree more that, you know, especially in this case, Milwaukee's coach, Mike Budenholzer, has a whole lot to do with that and thus – a whole lot to do with all the success the Bucks enjoyed in this regular season and and most of the playoffs. Yeah, no question. And Bud now becomes, uh, as I said earlier, a two-time NBA Coach of the Year, but he is also just the second Milwaukee Bucks coach to win Coach of the Year. Don Nelson won the award back in 1984-85. So just like Giannis being the second MVP, Bud becomes the second Coach of the Year. And John Horst also became the second executive of the year in franchise uh, history. You might be a little bit surprised uh, if you don't keep too close of an eye on this type of thing that John Hammond won executive of the year in 2009-2010. The Bucks were thought to be an up-and-coming team at that point. Obviously had some things go against them towards the end of the, the, the year with injuries and the like and never really got back uh, to that level they were through the All-Star break late in the season there, that season in, in 2010. But John Hammond won the award in 09-10. John Horst wins the award uh, tonight in, in what was a uh, a really close run thing. Yeah. Uh, this feels, I think, a lot better than the last Bucks Executive of the Year winner uh, for a lot of reasons. But John Horst, you know, some... He kind of caught the other end of the the spectrum of what I'm talking about. Uh, what I referenced earlier with Bud, you know, they kind of work against each other. Oh, did Horst really make all these moves? Was it Bud? Well, Horst made the Bud move, so that's a, a pretty big one to start. I mean, all the things we just talked about, all the great things that Mike Budenholzer brought, John Horst brought that. So that's a pretty good first step. And then talk about letting Jabari Parker go, keeping around DJ Wilson. Uh, the move for Nico Miritich, which doesn't work out, but it sure looked like a great move at the time, and it's a gamble you're going to take every single time. And then obviously, you know, we talked about Brooke Lopez a lot. Brooke Lopez continually just coming up in all sorts of Bucks discourse, and 
here again. So a whole lot of things that John Horst did. And it can, I, I could suppose, I could see, you know, especially for Masai Ujiri, the case where, you know, Horst, all the great things he did, he didn't bring in the franchise player this year. And Masai did. And went, really, I think, off the top of my head, probably the only exec you can make that case for, I guess, unless you want to pick, I guess, Rob Polinka for the Lakers. I sort of did that as well, but I don't think Rob was making many ballots, if any. So I think uh, Masai made sense to me. He didn't really do that well in the voting because uh, the Raptors didn't seem like they were going to win the title uh, at the end of the year. I guess they had a chance, but I, it was everything looked so differently, you know, coming off of the entire postseason. But uh, I think Tim Connolly was high up there. I, I can't remember. There's one more I can't remember right now who's pretty – maybe Lawrence Frank was decently high up there. But I thought Horace had the, the best case. Just, again, it's it's all one cohesive thing, and I think – that's kind of fitting for the Bucks awards for this season because it all it was all, you know, no, no selfishness, just everyone together for the, for the good of the entire team. I think it's fitting that that resulted in so many people well, three, but that's a pretty significant amount of awards, you know, it being spread out like this because it is, it was so hard for the voters to identify who was solely responsible because nobody was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, for, for when you're looking at this anyway, the, the GM is the one that's going to get the majority of the credit. But as I said, it was a really close-run thing. Uh, John Horst just beats out Tim Connolly uh, from Denver, 72 points to 69. So he only uh, beats Connolly out there by three points, only uh, one extra first-place vote. So Horst had 10 first-place votes. Uh, Tim Connolly had nine. Uh, so, you know, really just one vote could have swung this uh, the opposite way. But Horse finishes with 72 points, as I said. Connolly, 69. Lawrence Frank comes in third with the Clippers, 26. And then Masai Ujiri uh, comes in fourth with 21. And the interesting thing is I've seen a lot of uh, Toronto fans, uh, you know, up in arms about this. But there's a couple of things that need to, you know, really be made clear about this. Okay, so first of all, the, the votes came in at the end of the regular season. So, uh, you know, at that point, the Raptors are a, a second uh, in the East. I don't think anyone is expecting them to go on this run. Kawhi Leonard didn't wasn't even in the top five in MVP voting because he barely played during. I mean, not barely played, but it was obviously rested uh, through the regular season. So, uh, you know, sure that was a, it proved to be a masterstroke for Nick Nurse in in, in the playoffs. But uh, I think when you're looking at this voting, uh, you know, I I don't think that uh, you. you it was an outrage that, that Ujiri didn't get it because the other thing that I'm seeing a lot of Raptors fans pointing out is that Pascal Siakam was a late draft pick. Fred Van Vliet was undrafted. Okay, well, that wasn't this year. So <laughs> you, you don't get credit for, for things that you've done, uh, you know, three or four years ago. So uh, I think in the end, for when this voting was done, I think it made sense that so you had the Milwaukee uh, executive and the Denver executive at the top uh, just to, to run through some of the things that, that John Horst has done uh in this past year obviously the big one is is hiring but uh you you think back to last off season and you think about uh, getting brook lopez for three million dollars obviously that was a was was a master stroke um you think about not paying jabari parker and letting him go uh this is a guy that's you know a top three draft pick just a couple of years earlier and you let him go for nothing uh, that's not something that uh, a lot of uh, executives and I think a lot of young executives wouldn't be uh, bold enough to do that and just say, hey, this isn't working out. We don't want to pay this guy. We, we can do something better because that's, that's obviously a, a really high draft pick um, through the season. Some of the other things uh, that he was able to do, obviously the big trade, Henson and, and, and Della Vadova, you bring back George Hill. Obviously that one proved to be a masterstroke when you see how George Hill played through the playoffs and now uh, you believe that George Hill's probably going to come back, uh, picking up the the the, uh, the third year option for DJ Wilson. I think at the time a lot of people thought that that was a ridiculous move. He ends up looking uh, like a real rotation player through the end of the season. Looks like he's going to be a really important part of this team moving forward. Uh, I mean, there was just endless moves, as you already pointed. The Miritich trade. I think at the time, again. Would that have happened if Don Maker didn't request a, a move from Milwaukee? I would, I would probably think not. But again, you got a guy, uh, you know, for a championship run who last year in the playoffs was just 
enormous for the for the New Orleans Pelicans, and it didn't work out. Uh, certainly in the playoffs this year with Miritich not shooting the ball well, but uh, you know, still for mine, a, a hell of a trade and 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 one that could have provided the X factor for you for you winning a, a title. And really, at that point, with what you were going to try and get with with a thon maker who um, wasn't playing a lot, I mean, he couldn't have done much more there. So uh, really. You know, if you, you keep going through and there's more and more moves, the Bledsoe contract, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Obviously, the playoff skews that a little bit before the playoffs. You think that's a, a master stroke as well. You get a, a first-team all-defense player for, you know, roughly $16, $17 million a year for three years. It's a great deal. So, um, you know, I, I think that he, he did more than enough this year to, to warrant uh, winning this award. Yeah, I, I can't really argue. I mean... Again, right now, sure, it seems like Masai should have won for the Kawhi trade, but you're absolutely right. I mean, at the time, Kawhi, good, good, very good in the regular season. He wasn't a top five MVP finisher for a reason. I mean, he took a lot of games off. Clearly, was saving a whole lot in the tank. And I think at the time, it was still kind of fair to think, Oh, well, they got Kawhi, but is it that Kawhi that we've seen before? You know, when he get back to that level in time, especially before, you know, he could leave for the Clippers, who, I mean, that was in the news all the time in the regular season, how, you know, uh, Steve Ballmer is at all these games and everything else. So you think, oh, well, you know, they made this trade for this guy who might not get all the way right, and he might just bolt, and everything changed since then. That's fine. And I just think Raptors people who want to be upset about this, your team won the freaking championship. Go enjoy that. Who cares about executive of the year? Trust me, I think this is cool. I think good for John Horst for sure. But if you offered me, and I'm sure if you offered John yeah. Horst the chance to trade this for the the 2019 championship in Milwaukee, I think everybody affiliated with the Bucks and John Horst and John Horst family, maybe not his family, probably his family, is going to say, give us the title. And I think... Go enjoy that, Raptors fans. Don't worry about Masai being disrespected by voters who had no idea what was going to happen in June. Yeah, that's it. And, and if anything, I mean, this is just another um, you know, reason why uh, these awards should not happen uh, at the end of end of June. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. This is uh, you know something that should happen during the playoffs. I don't think anything happened on this award night tonight that made me think, gee, I'm glad they made it a, a, a real show tonight. Like, uh, I think that it went too long. I don't think that there was any real great entertainment that made me think that this was worthwhile. The speeches obviously were very, very memorable, but, you know, i got no question. If you uh, had Giannis uh, accept that MVP trophy, uh, you know, before uh, whatever it would have been, game one or game two of the Eastern Conference Finals and get him up in the podium, uh, you know, speaking about it, it would have been the exact same thing. Uh, I don't think he needed to be in a room in front of a room full of people. Uh, it would have meant the same to him to win the award. It would have meant a lot to Bucks fans to be able to celebrate that with Giannis. And I, I just think that, um, you yeah, know, being a regular season award and being able to give this trophy to the player uh, while he's still actually playing just means a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, you don't have these, I guess, skewed opinions of, well, I mean, you know, Kawhi was great in the in the playoffs, so the Raptors won it because it doesn't matter. The votes have already done well and truly before that. So, uh, you know, I, I would hope that this was the last awards night we have and they just go back to the old way, but I'm not really holding my breath on that one. Um, but, you know, I, I guess we'll see what happens there. I, I, the feel that I got from Twitter is that it wasn't exactly a, a really uh, – popular night i would i i think is that i mean is that a fair fair assessment of what you you were you were reading from this yeah i don't think i've ever seen anyone say that they really like it so that's uh that's kind of indicative a lot of people complaining um to be you know full disclosure i didn't watch it and not just because i'm in lazy checked out off-season mode honestly with free agent approaching that's not even really an option but more so that you know, in, in some small way, I, part of me was like, well, maybe I don't want to give my view to this stupid show I wish didn't exist. And I know I can just follow along everything on Twitter and ESPN and everything's reported and you're tweeting stuff out really helpfully and everyone on the Bucks beat was, was good with getting quotes and who won. I was like, well, I, 
Do I really need to see all of it live when I can just watch the, uh, the, the best clips of the speeches? And I know most of the speeches in their entirety and see all the quotes and see all the winners. No, I, I really don't. So yeah, I would, uh, I would certainly agree in saying it'd be great if they could do this, you know, in front with, with fans of the team and with the team themselves. I mean, have the whole, the whole team there, the whole roster. So instead of doing, you know, just Instagram posts, all the guys that fought with Giannis all year can literally be there with him when he gets the award. I mean, I would prefer that to this weird sort of forced red carpet event that is great for all the guys in the league who love fashion and not so great for the actual idea of the thing. Well, it was interesting because I, I don't know. Um, it, well, I didn't see them on TV, but the interesting thing for mine was that I didn't even think James Harden or Paul George were there tonight. I, they certainly were not shown on camera at all which makes perfect sense because if you know you're not winning an award, why do you want to go to LA? You're probably going to be in the Bahamas or I don't know what you're doing. You're probably somewhere else, uh, you know, enjoying some time off rather than coming to this awards night. So uh, I didn't see them at all. Maybe they were there. I certainly didn't see them shown on camera. But, I mean, <laughs> at, at that point, if you want to, like, have this suspenseful thing and then everyone watching on TV doesn't even uh, see the other two candidates there. I mean, you're sort of really defeating the purpose of, of, of the whole award night. But Yeah, I know, uh, just to cut in quickly, I know for sure Harden was not there. Not sure about PG. I would guess not. I mean, I think if those guys are there, you're probably going to see them. Right. That's, I mean, that's that's what I kind of assumed. And and, and at that point, I mean, there was, there was no suspense. I mean, Giannis was always going to win this thing. But the one thing he didn't win, and we'll quickly touch on this, was the Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert. Uh, wins back-to-back awards. He got 65 uh, first-place votes out of 100. Giannis had 26. Uh, so pretty comprehensive win for, for Gobert, which is maybe a little bit surprising. I mean, I did think that Gobert would win it. I did think it would be a little bit closer. I thought Giannis would get a lot more first-place votes in this one than he did. Um, you know, obviously we know what Giannis was able to do on both ends of the floor, first-team all-defense player again, playing for the number one defense in the NBA. And sure, he had a lot of help, um, but with the with the 1.5 blocks per game, 1.3 steals per game, uh, we know, uh, you know, what, what he can do on that end. I thought, you know, at some point, I mean, I think at some point he's definitely going to get one of these. Um, certainly to win MVP and defensive player in a year, uh, in the same year, something very rare. It's only been done a couple of times in the history of the game. But um, do you have any real issue with this uh, with this win for to go there? Do I want to go there or do I not, Kane? That's really the question. This is. Do you want to go bear? Is that what you said? <laughs> I don't want to go bear. Uh, I, I like advancing past the second round. Uh, I just. It's just tough, man. I mean, we, we do this. We've done this now two years in a row. This whole facade where everyone acts like Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the league and he's not going to get schemed off of the court when you can get a team with four or five good shooters and he can't survive covering them. And even really, I mean, that, that's I think people sort of – I'll say something like that and someone will reply, oh, well, you know, not no one can keep up with the Warriors because he's with five shooters, blah, blah, blah. I mean – Gobert gets schemed off of the court by the Rockets playing Clint Capella at center. He's not even a stretch five. It's just he, – he just does when there's enough space. He's just not as useful. And he's a really good defender. I'm not going to take that away from Rudy Gobert. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think we know what's going to happen every single year. Every single year there's going to be a team with good enough shooting that can pretty much neutralize him through pick and roll or whatever else. And it's going to happen. He's been a net negative, I think, in four of six playoff series since he's become a starter, at least like a, a rotation or more player with the Jazz. You know, they've won, I think, three of those three series. He's only been a net positive in two series. It's just off the top of my head. Maybe those numbers are a little outdated now. I doubt it. It's just, you know, I, I'm not even necessarily. I get a lot of, oh, you just want Giannis to win when I when I share these views, mostly from Jazz people, and it's like. Yeah, I think it'd be cool if Giannis won. I think he's one of the best defenders in the league, if not the defender. But I'm still like, why was Draymond not even top three? I, I guess people are sick of the Warriors. People are sick of Draymond. I thought he played pretty damn well this year on defense. I know it wasn't up to his old standard for all of the year, but I would rather see a guy like that or like Giannis where 
you know, they can get blocks and steals and impact the game directly. They can defend one-on-one. They can play help defense. In my opinion, those are the most useful defenders, the, the best defenders in the league, guys who can be effective on and off ball. Uh, your Kawhi Leonard's are great. Not as not as substantial of a contributor off the ball. Still a terrific defender, obviously. You know, wasn't going to win this year, but just that idea of a player. The low post centers like Gobert, who are only really very effective within six feet of the rim or, or so. I just don't know if those guys are really deserving of the nod at this point. But hey, good for uh, good for Rudy Gobert stacking up some uh, some hardware and qualifying for a supermax, which he already actually had. But still, good for him. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's some good points you make. Again, uh, it's interesting the playoff thing. That definitely skews things, I think, because if you watched Utah in the playoffs, you obviously saw that Gobert was was really unplayable in, in in a lot of circumstances. And then you remember that, and you say, well, okay, well, if he's such a big defensive influence, why can't he play in the playoffs? Again, obviously the award wasn't wasn't uh, you know, based on what happened in the playoffs. But uh, to your point. Uh, obviously, as I said, Giannis uh, comes in second, but then you have Paul George third, Joel Embiid, Miles Turner. Then you get to Draymond, uh, who only got six votes altogether. He did get one first-place vote and then one third-place vote to pick up those six points. Uh, exact same thing for Kawhi Leonard, actually, the, the, the one first-place vote for him. So um, really, in this one, it was it was Gobert and, and Giannis, and that was really about it uh, as far as the, the voting went for this one. It's interesting. I mean, when you talk about Gobert, and obviously he's an int- intimidating rim protector. There's no question about that. Uh, I do remember from the game when we were in uh, Salt Lake City uh, watching the Bucks and, and the Jazz game, and uh, you know Gobert. They and this happened twice. I mean, they really they tried uh, Gobert on Giannis as the primary defender twice. This game in in Utah really stands out. Remember, this was the game that the Bucks went ginormous in the starting lineup because they had no guards left to play. Um, but uh, Giannis ends up playing Gobert completely off the floor. This is a game that Utah end up winning and Donovan Mitchell goes crazy in the fourth quarter. But he, despite the Jazz winning the game, Rudy Gobert finished with one of the more ridiculous lines I've seen. He played just 19 minutes and finished a minus 36 in a game that the Jazz won when he was trying to defend Giannis. So... Look, uh, you know, it was interesting when you think about those two. And obviously it's a defensive award, but uh, I will say that uh, Gobert had zero success, less than zero success trying to trying to guard Giannis this season. Yeah, and that's just – that's I mean, that's like there's a versatility aspect that I think really needs to be considered for the award. And I'm glad you pointed out a regular season example. I, I realize it can seem – you know, idiotic to use a playoffs thing against Gobert. This is a regular season award, even though it seems weird if we just ignore the different, whatever, it doesn't matter. But like there are ways teams can scheme Rudy Gobert off the floor in the regular season and in the playoffs on defense. There's no way you can do that to Giannis defensively. I mean, he's going to be effective on defense really no matter what lineup you trot out, no matter what you try to do to him, if you want him involved in more or less actions. You know, and more, you get Giannis by the ball, good luck passing around him, unless one of the better roving help defenders in the league. There's no way around him on that end. He's undeniable there. Just don't think the same is true about Gobert, but oh well. He'll get one. No, I got no doubt that Giannis is going to get one or two or three or four of these by the time uh, his career is done. But that was really the only uh, thing the Bucks didn't win tonight. Chris Middleton was nominated for a few... Uh, different awards, community award, uh, uh, teammate of the year, I believe, was was another one, or sportsman of the year, or something like that. But he missed out on those those awards. But uh, still, it was it was nice to see him nominated in some of those uh, off the court awards that obviously mean a lot as well. But uh, again, the the NBA awards are done, and I feel like finally now, even though we've said this a lot, I feel like the the book. Is closed on the 2018-19 season. Uh, Giannis is the MVP. Bud is the coach of the year, and John Horst is the executive of the year, capping off a, a ridiculous year for the Bucks, where they win 60 games in the regular season, their best regular season in in over 30 years. The first time they win 60 games since 1981, and obviously they made it to the conference finals. But it feels like it was been a long, long season. 
that has finally ended. But the good news is we get uh, free agency in about five days' time. Yeah, good news for sure. <laughs> no and, break right now in, in the NBA world, but I guess there will be pretty much one. I mean, summer league and stuff, but this is the the intensity right now ramping up towards free agency, which I think for a lot of people has become the main event, which I think is kind of sad, but it will be a, a fun Hopefully fun, certainly interesting, certainly insightful time for uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I am certainly predicting, and again, uh, that's 6 o'clock Sunday, everything is going to kick off, and I am predicting that uh, the Bucks are going to have some early action on free agency. That is what I am expecting. So uh, we will definitely uh, talk about that one last time, get everyone ready. Uh, for what is sure to be a very busy few days for the coach of the year and the executive of the year as they try and navigate their way uh, to bring most of these guys back to have uh, the same success next season. But uh, that will most likely be for us on Thursday. I think we're going to get together Thursday night and discuss that and give our last thoughts, our last predictions. Any wild uh, takes from you will be well and truly welcome. But uh, we will just, you know, we're going to try and, uh, as I said, get everyone ready for what is sure to be uh, an extremely busy and potentially anxious uh, couple of days for Bucks fans. Bucks fans, I think, will always find a way to be anxious. But still, anxious Bucks fans, we thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you know, please continue to do so. As we're, we, as Kane just said, you know, the season's over, the awards are done, everything else, but we've still got plenty of content left to produce. Plenty of things left to talk about. So continue to listen, download, subscribe, tell your friends, everything else that you great people have been doing. And uh, thank you, Kane. Thank you, everyone, for listening.